text for this morning's message is John chapter 4, verse 10. In this verse, we have Jesus talking. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. These are the words uttered by Jesus during a chance meeting with a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. It is an exchange that is so simple in some ways, but so layered in many other ways. At this point in the gospel story, Jesus and his disciples have been teaching and preaching from one end of Israel to the other. And it is in the course of these travels that they stop by this one horse town called Sikar. There's no motive for this stop than simply to refresh themselves and continue on their way. The disciples head to the village square to buy some food. Jesus stays behind seemingly because he's wearied as a result of the long day's journey. He sits near the well, undoubtedly to benefit from the shade provided by the trees and other vegetation that grew because of the underground spring. Parched by thirst, Jesus turns to the woman that has joined him at the well and asks her if she would draw him a drink of water. It is at this point that the story takes a curious turn. What Jesus asks is fundamentally a simple yes or no question. It was her prerogative, of course, to say no or demonstrate a yes to the question by simply dipping a cup or bucket into the well to fetch Jesus a drink. Instead, the woman starts the exchange by telling Jesus she's a Samaritan. Back in the day, as the story recounts, Jews and Samaritans were like oil and water. The two don't mix. After that descriptor, then comes her question, and I'm going to paraphrase here, Ed. Sir, you know I'm a Samaritan. And you know Jews and Samaritans don't get along. We hate each other. So what makes you think I'd give you anything? Much less something as valuable as water in the desert. Now, in his response, John, Jesus goes deep. Uh, he goes deeper than the well they stood beside. If Jesus had been speaking in the vernacular, he probably would have responded this way. 
sweetheart. If you only knew, if you only knew who you were talking to, if you had a clue about the one in whose presence you stand, you wouldn't be asking why you should give me a drink of your water. You'd be begging me. You'd be pleading with me to drink of my water. Because I got a water that once you drink it, you'll never thirst. I have a water that can soothe the longings of a thirsty soul. I have a water drawn with joy from the springs of deliverance. Child, <laughs> if you only knew. John 4, verse 10 is my text. The title of the morning message is When Your Well Runs Dry. When Your Well runs dry. Let us pray. O oh Lord, thou who art great and gracious, merciful and mighty, I bow at the foot of your throne of grace and mercy. I pray for the courage to care, the sensitivity to think sacrificially, and the power to overcome my own selfish desires and conceit. I pray for an open mind and an open heart that I might be a vessel for your grace, that I might enrich the lives of those who gather in this tabernacle today. Mold me, make me anew according to your will. This I ask in the name of Jesus, the fount of every blessing and the true revelation of all that is good and just. Amen. Let me confess this morning that I have not preached more than a couple of times since COVID began. So I need you to pray with me this morning. Dealing with COVID and its lingering after effects has been a challenge. To say that COVID has been an interruption and refactored our lives in unimaginable and unanticipated ways would be a profound understatement, to say the least. After more than two years of living with it, it feels like a bad house guest that stayed too long. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sick of it right now. Thank God for the vaccine. Thank God so many of us are in such good health that we're able to overcome it. Of all of the ways COVID has complicated our lives, some necessary and with others not so much so, it was life under lockdown that I found most striking. One of the things I found most striking is we all say we could use more peace and quiet in our lives, but after spending enough time in what felt like solitary confinement, you get sick and tired of even peace and quiet. The other thing that I found striking is that it's interesting that it takes something like a lockdown to make you appreciate how much about your life you take for granted. Things like 
having to wear a mask to go outside makes you appreciate in a whole new way what it is to smell the aromas that fill the air on a beautiful day. As much as you might not have liked your job, when you're faced with the prospect of losing it or less extreme, instead of going to work, you've got to stay home and homeschool tasked with trying to help your kids solve problems you don't understand. Come on, somebody. Going back to work never sounded so good, Doc. <laughs> what about church? Somebody ought to shout amen. Before the lockdown, remember those Sunday mornings when you didn't feel like stirring, when, as my grandmama would say, the devil was busy, whispering in your ear, roll on over, don't get up, go back to sleep. You know you needed to go to church, you wanted to go to church, but that voice in your head said, go on back to bed, you can go next Sunday. You never thought you'd miss hearing the message from the preacher and the music of the choir more than when the governor told you you got to stay home today. At another level, I spent a considerable amount of time in South Africa. As a matter of fact, as I said, I head there tomorrow. As much as they've complained over the years about the anemic growth of their economy, generally somewhere in the neighborhood of 2.6%. That was before COVID. That never looked so good until you're faced with an economy that's shrinking by 17% after COVID. It is interesting that it takes something like a lockdown to cause you to appreciate those things in ways that we normally don't do. There's an old saying that captures what I'm trying to say this morning, which is implicit in the title of the message. You've heard it. You never miss your water until your well runs dry. You know, I started to exegete the text earlier, but let me drill down a little deeper on the old saying that is the inspiration for the message. This familiar old saying, whether you know it or not, is a English proverb from the 17th century. There's an interesting connection in the way the text for the morning and the saying comes together. In the text, we have Jesus at Jacob's well to get a drink of water. And in the insight from the saying, we are reminded of an enduring and eternal truth. You shouldn't take anything of importance for granted, like water, for example, because you never know when your well will run dry. Let me stay right here for a moment. There are several things working here. First is the reference to water. Water is important. Life depends on water. Water is the essence of life itself. Up to 60% of the human adult body is water. Uh, Dr. Carlisle, am I on firm foundation right now? Okay. According to the Journal of Biological Chemistry, the brain and the heart are composed of 73% water. 
The lungs are about 83% water. The lungs uh, and the skin uh, contains about 64% water. The muscles and kidneys are 79% water. Even the bones, what seems like dry bones, are 31% water. We need water. Access to water is a matter of life or death. In the 21st century, in which most folks uh, of the world, uh, in the 21st century, uh, in which most folks of the world and everyone in America has running water in their homes, we take water for granted. Despite all of the glitter and glamour that is LA, Los Angeles is fundamentally really a desert. Yet, even in this desert, we don't appreciate water as we should. We waste water in ways that we shouldn't, despite the fact that water is the lifeblood of life. Metaphorically, the notion of water's importance is just as powerful. Beyond the biblical references I made early in Christian legend, water is central to our mythology and theology. We baptize with water. It is the symbol and the gateway to life eternal. The symbolic significance of water is not limited to the Christian tradition. Elder Blake mentioned it earlier that uh, the early part of my career was spent as a Methodist pastor. Uh, that was before I joined the Clinton administration. About 10 years ago, I founded a company that I continue to head today. Our business philosophy is do well and do good. The name of my company is the Pula Group. Pula is the Swana word, the native language of Botswana. Pula is the word for rain, as well as water. In Botswana, Pula is also the word for money. In an arid land, it is understandable why wealth and money would be associated with water. Whether we're speaking literally or metaphorically, when it comes to water, the conclusion is the same. Water is essential to life, temporal and eternal. That's why the saying, you never miss your water till the well runs dry, has such power and rings so true. Now there's a lot I could reflect upon in this proverb and passage this morning, but let me limit what I intend to say to three lessons. Unos, dos, tres. Three lessons that can be gleaned from both. These lessons can be summarized in three words. Accessibility, perceptibility, and accountability. Say these words after me. Accessibility. I can't hear you. Accessibility. Perceptibility. Accountability. Now, I'm, I'm going to teach right here, and I need you to stay with me. Are you going to stay with me? Okay, if you are, I want you to say, Reverend. Reverend. I'm all strapped in, and I'm ready to go. All right. 
The obvious lesson to be learned from this proverb is something I punctuated earlier. It's about accessibility. You never fully appreciate what you have. You never appreciate what you have access to until it's gone. You never appreciate how good your friend was until you're feeling lonely and estranged. You never appreciate how good you had it at all until you've got to get out here and make it on your own. You don't truly appreciate your health until you're injured or sick. You don't appreciate the love in your life until you run them off and they're with somebody else. You don't appreciate how blessed you are until you're down and out. You don't appreciate your freedom until you can't go where you want to go and when you want to go there. Somebody ought to say amen. You don't fully appreciate good leadership until it's lost and you're stuck with someone like that very stable genius that occupied the White House a few years ago. You don't fully appreciate the power of a vaccine until there's not one when you need it. You never miss your water till your well runs dry. The first point of the proverb is about accessibility. There are things in life that you don't fully appreciate until you can't get it. You don't fully appreciate what you have until you're in a position where you can't buy it, you can't borrow it, you can't even beg for it. You never miss your water. Come on, somebody. Beyond accessibility, there's also a lesson about perceptibility. Now this is implicit in the passage read earlier from the Gospel of John. For the woman at the well, her problem was that she thought Jesus was in the way and she missed the fact that Jesus was the way. The woman at the well was focused on the minor thing instead of focusing on the major thing. She was dickering with Jesus over whether she should give him a drink of water to quench his thirst and she was missing an opportunity to drink a living water which after she would have drunk it, she would have never, ever thirsted again. You know, what some folk miss in life is that they are their own biggest problem. Come on, somebody. It's not that they can't move forward because someone else is in their way. The problem is they can't move forward because they can't get out of their own way. They can't appreciate they have a foundation on which they can build because they are spending more time counting their burdens than counting their blessings. You know, prior to COVID-19, we survived MERS, SARS, Zika, and the swine flu without anything close to the turmoil and trauma we've experienced with this thing called COVID. Even if we disagree on the fine points of epidemiology, 
the most distinctive difference between this virus and all the rest is the panic. If we had not panicked, we would have approached what we did have, uh, appreciated what we did have to combat and contain the virus rather than focusing on what we didn't have. We had a fund of knowledge. We had a history of success in dealing with such problems. If we had not lost sight of those blessings, we might have been, the, we might have been spared the catastrophe from the course we took. Perceptivity. This is why Jesus said on so many occasions and in so many ways, let those with eyes see. Perceptivity. If you can't see it, you can't believe it. And if you can't believe it, you can't achieve it. You never miss your water till your well runs dry. That's true. But if you don't understand the difference between a well and a hole in the ground, the difference between a blessing and a burden, it doesn't make any difference how deep your well is or how dry it might become. You're going to thirst for whatever you want eternally. All right, church, I'm getting ready to come home now. In addition to accessibility and perceptibility, this is also a word about accountability. How your life story evolves and ends has everything to do with what you do. I'm talking about the woman at the well, but I might also be talking about you. Life is what you make it. If you stay or get stuck at a dry well, it says as much about you as it does the well. A dry well can be anything. It can be a bad personal decision or a bad policy decision. You know it's a dry well when you hit bottom and there's nothing there. Or you know it's a dry well when you get to the bottom and there's nothing there. That's a dry well. Sometimes your well comes up empty before you know it. You don't appreciate how bad that decision was until you have to live with the consequences. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. A dry well can be anything. It can be a good decision that has simply run its course. Life is a series of unfolding chances and choices. I've lived long enough to appreciate that there are few single choices that serve you for a lifetime. Or to say it another way, we all know that every well runs dry at one point or another. We don't always know when, but we know that every well is going to run dry eventually. Let's look again at the woman at the well. There are some things we know. 
And there are some things we don't know about the woman at the well. We know from John's gospel that she missed her chance when she was with Jesus. What the text doesn't tell us is what happened after she left Jesus. We don't know what choices she made or what other chances she missed. But it's safe to say that God kept giving her chances. How many chances and for how long, we don't know. But it is safe to assume that God kept giving her chances. You see, that's what Jesus meant when he talked about living water. It's a water from a well that never runs dry. There's not much in life you can count on, but you can count on this. God keeps giving us chances. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And trying to overcome our faults and failures in life, our problem is not that we run out of chances. The problem is we run out of time. Let me say that again. In trying to overcome our faults and failures, our trials and vicissitudes, our problem is not that we run out of chances. The problem is we run out of time. We never run out of chances because of what God does. We run out of time because of what we do. Wesley, hear what I'm trying to tell you this morning, please. These days, uh, I live pretty high on the hog. I'm blessed. But it wasn't always like that. I was raised in the ghetto by a single mother that made sure that despite living in the ghetto, the ghetto didn't live in me. There were all sorts of characters in my neighborhood. One was a boy named Johnny Trice. Johnny was a thug, a really bad boy. Officers, you know what I'm talking about. He and I didn't hang out together, but I knew him and he knew me. And for some reason, even though I didn't run in his circles and wasn't a part of his world, the uh, Doris, he liked and, and, and he re respected me. He respected me so much that I was able to convince him and his band of baby hoodlums that they should stop snatching women's purses to satisfy their lust for crime and money. I told him both of us were being raised by a single mother. Imagine how we'd feel if someone stole our mother's purse on payday. Imagine how our mothers would feel. Of course, his immediate response 
was declaring all of the things he would do once he caught the culprits. But my counter was, even if you caught the guilty party, and there's no guarantee you would, it would not erase the sense of victimization and violation his mother would feel. Well, I found out sometime after our conversation, Larry, that he gave up snatching persons. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, Johnny didn't give up crying. He stopped snatching purses and he started robbing stores. He was a bad seed. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Consistent with the character he was, sometime later, Johnny confronted a boy at a party. This is a boy he bullied quite often. And on this occasion, the boy was ready for him. When Johnny confronted him, the boy pulled a gun from his coat. And instead of beating a hasty retreat, Johnny berated the boy and dared him repeatedly to shoot him. Whereupon the boy finally took dead aim and shot Johnny right between the eyes. Miraculously, Johnny lived. Along with the other kids from the neighborhood, I went to see him in the hospital. At that point, he was in a coma. His head was swollen as big as a beach ball, and he looked like an ugly version of the extraterrestrial character from E.T. I prayed at his bedside the day I went to visit him. And honestly, I didn't think my prayers or anyone else's would make a difference. As bad as he looked that day, I didn't think there was any way he would recover. But recover, he did. Another chance, 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 another chance. God keeps giving us chances. Within months after Johnny was released from the hospital, he went back to his wicked ways. One day, on the same street as the high school to which we went, Johnny walked into a drugstore with the intention of robbing it. He wound up in a gunfight with the clerk and inexplicably, despite all of the shots that were fired, Johnny fled without being hit by a single bullet. Another chance. Another chance. Another chance. God keeps giving us chances. 
instead of calling it a day, as any sensible person would have done, Johnny reloaded his pistol and walked several doors down the street and attempted to rob the convenience store. Johnny went for his gun. The clerk behind the counter beat him to the draw and fired six shots, all hitting Johnny in the chest. That was the day that Johnny died. I periodically thought about Johnny over the years, the life he lived, and the fate he met. And the conclusion to which I've come is this. Johnny's problem was not that he ran out of chances. Johnny's fate was that he ran out of time. Time and time again. He missed the opportunity to make life-changing choices. And finally, his time was up. Beloved, I want to tell you this morning that some choices can literally and figuratively kill you. For most of us, our life choices are not as extreme as Johnny's, but the challenge is the same. Every choice we make or don't make has consequences. Some choices help you, some choices hurt you. As individuals, whoever we are, God keeps giving us chances. The issue is, what choices will we make with the chances we are given? How many chances will we blow before we run out of time? God keeps giving us chances. In our communities or countries, wherever they are, God keeps giving us chances. The choices we make, or, uh, the choices we make can make or break us. And nowhere is the sense of urgency more apparent than what we've lived through with this corona crisis. Beloved, the big what if question we all face is the question the woman at the well faced. What if God gives you a chance to drink from the wellspring of his grace and mercy. What will you do if you're offered the chance to take life to a different level, to live life with a sense of deeper purpose? If you're given a chance to say yes to God's calling for your life, what will you do? I dropped by West A this morning to tell you that if you need a cool drink of water, a refreshing cup of water, a renewing cup of water, a restoring cup of water, I know a well that never runs dry. If you feel like your options have all dried up, I know a well that never runs dry. If you have a thirst for something better, 
I know a well that never runs dry. If you have a thirst to be better, I know a well that never runs dry. If you've given up on life because you feel like life has given up on you, I know a well that never runs dry. If you came here this morning, or if you're online with us this morning, and you're thirsting for something, I know a well that never runs dry. If you're still holding on, but you don't know how you're holding out, I know a well that never runs dry. If you're grateful that you've been blessed and highly favored, and you want to toast to your blessings, come on. I know a well that never runs dry. Like the woman at the well I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking, draw from my well that never runs dry. Like the woman at the well, whether you understand it or not, right now, right here, you have a chance to make a life-changing choice. It's a choice and a chance you need to make. It could be life-saving for you, and it just might be life-changing for someone else. It might get you through a hard time, or it might inspire somebody else to seize the time. You have a chance and a choice right now. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. By faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found, Lord, plant my feet. Lord, plant my feet. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. If you are here this morning and you've got something that you need to work out, and you haven't been certain about the way or whether you could ever find the way. If you feel parched by life's challenges, withered and weathered by the burdens you've had to bear, I'm here to tell you this morning, there's a well that never, that never runs dry. I want everybody to stand right now. And we need to muster all of the power we have at our disposal. Because there's somebody who needs our prayers who are in this place right now. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are here in this place or if you're online and this word has resonated with you in some form or fashion and you know, you know that you need to drink 
from this well of living water, that you need to be resuscitated, you need to be reinvigorated, you need to be strengthened to carry on. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to raise your hand, however slightly. If you need that kind of prayer, if you need that kind of strength, I want you to raise your hand slightly. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need God's grace to break through and to break in to your life, in a way that you've not ever experienced before. Every hand raised. I want you to raise your hand. And I want everybody to pray with me. Dear Lord, we need you now. We want you now. Because we believe in the power of your grace in the power of your forgiveness and that your love and your love your love alone is sufficient we want to feel the presence and power of your redeeming grace in our lives right now right now in the life giving soul-saving name of Jesus we pray now if you've raised your hand this morning I know this invitation and action Bishop Blake and Pastor Blake and Elder Blake I'm, I'm up here now I've got the microphone I know they appreciate me extending it if you raise your hand and and you want to tap into this Power. You want to dip your cup in this well of living water. I want you to come, come forward because we, we, we want to be able to pray for you. Amen. We want to be able to pray for you. We want to be able to lift you up. We want to be able to call you this week and, and offer you guidance and, and to let you know that you don't walk alone that you don't walk alone. If you raise your hand, come on forward this morning. Come to the mercy seat, fervently kneel. Here, bring your wounded heart. Here, tell your anguish. Mercy. Mercy. Grace has no sorrow. that heaven cannot feel. Come on.